Good morning. Welcome this morning. So glad that you're here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. Uh, and Alex, as Alex said, uh, we know that each and every week it's someone's first time. That's a big deal to us. And so uh, if I have not had an opportunity to meet you this morning and it's your first time, I look forward to meeting you after service. We are starting a new series uh, today called Empowered. And we're going to take the next few weeks and look at discovering the person of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, when you think back, it was actually this weekend a year ago was the first service that we gathered back together live here at our McKinney campus. And, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. I can't believe it's already been uh, a year. And you think about the year, that, that, that whole year, and even this previous year, there's, it was such, there were so many unique circumstances. At times feeling as though things were uh, somewhat out of your control, feeling like you didn't have a say in maybe what things looked like or uh, where you were going or, or what you could do, what the guidelines or mandates or regulations were, and uh, <clears throat> that's challenging. It, it, can be, it can be hard. But when we came into the new year, uh, I shared with you, oh, I think, what I felt was our word for the year, something that you could take control of, something that you could own, and something that was going to be our focus through this whole year as we journeyed together into 2021, and that was for you to spiritually grow. You see, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what season of life you're in, how old you are, how long you've been serving the Lord, or whether you just started serving the Lord. We can all spiritually grow. And when I think about the area of my life that has really challenged me, stretched me, and helped me grow the most, it's in my relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is over the next few weeks, hopefully, is really begin to help us understand who is the person of the Holy Spirit, how do we live a life empowered, and what does it look like to translate what we read in this word about who God's word says he is and how do we apply it to everyday life. You know, as you think about the Holy Spirit, you may, though, relate to perhaps a group of people in Acts 19. You know, sometimes you may feel like, man, I mean, I understand what the Bible's saying, and I've, I've heard about the Holy Spirit, but who is he really? And, and I don't even know if I really relate or understand who he is and how he can impact my life. Well, can I tell you something? You're not alone. When you look at the words of Paul in Acts 19, Paul is actually interacting with this group of people in the book of Acts. And I don't know if you've ever read the book of Acts, but the book of Acts, you want to talk about miracles. You want to talk about just things that were just out there. Again, even just reading this word, the book of Acts and what was happening in the early church, it was not Western. It was not American. It was not North Dallas, okay? It was other, and it was God working and moving in a significant way. And Paul's having an interaction with a group of people. He has this conversation, and he's speaking to this group of people in Acts 19, verse 1 and 2. And it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, this, this city, this influential city in Ephesus. And it says, there he found some disciples. Now, I want you to recognize he found some disciples. These weren't people who didn't know who Jesus was. These weren't people who didn't have a relationship with Jesus as far as understanding that he died on the cross for their sins. All that, these were disciples. And this is what Paul asked him. 
It says that he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So you can see even here in the early church, disciples, those who knew Jesus, who Jesus was, didn't fully understand the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, there could be many reasons why, and we're going to unpack some of those reasons. I, I think even unpacking what some of those look like for us in our own life, in today's culture, and climate, and the context we live. But when you think about the Holy Spirit, you think about these individuals, many of them were Jews. It didn't, when you think about the Holy Spirit, it didn't check all the boxes. So it didn't make sense to them. And they did what many of us do when we don't fully understand. We just kind of leave it alone. Well, I just, I just kind of keep it over there. I want you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 16. We're going to get there in just a minute. But you think about the Holy Spirit. I was talking to my girls. I've got three little girls, 10, 8, and 6. And we were talking about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit, right? Well, I don't know about you, but there's a reason why they make a whole show called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Because when you ask them questions, they're going to say all sorts of stuff. And sometimes it's pretty good. Sometimes it's really funny, and sometimes it's really imaginative. So I'm asking, who's the Holy Spirit? One of my little girls said, well, is it, is it Rue? Well, Rue is our dog. I said, no, the Holy Spirit's not our dog. Is it Mama? Well, no, the Holy Spirit's not Mama, but God uses the Holy Spirit a lot, at least with your daddy, to, to, to help me out, okay? One of my little girls said, I think it's like a Holy Spirit force field. I said, I like that, a little Holy Spirit force field, like a holy force field. I can see that. I, you think about those things, and, and that's humorous and funny, but if I were to ask you, who is the Holy Spirit? Oftentimes, many of us would have somewhat different answers because we don't often know who the person of the Holy Spirit actually is, how we relate to him and how he empowers and equips us. And I think when it comes to growing in this area of our life, growing in our relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, I think this is an area, I think even in our culture and our context, here in North Texas, it's a little underdeveloped. We have access to a power through the person of the Holy Spirit that we may not even realize and we aren't even accessing. And so when you look at these things, you think about even what my little girl said. Here's what was interesting to me. I saw a study. It said 58% of Christians, not people in general, general populace, 58% of Christians think the Holy Spirit is a symbolic figure, a symbol, not an actual person. But the Holy Spirit actually really is a person. And I want to give you really four dynamics or four aspects and truths, foundational truths about the Holy Spirit. First is this, is that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is part of the Trinity. In fact, he is God. He is a person and he is active and working in the world today. All of these things are not the exact same thing. He plays an integral part in our life he wants to help us, encourage us. But here's the thing, is many of us come from a different heritage and a different background. We may all have a different context about who the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit actually is. So what I want to do today as we go to the book of John, I want to take the words of Jesus. 
It's one thing to, to take the words of maybe a heritage that we grew up in. It's one thing to take the words of other people that we may know or things that we've heard about the Holy Spirit or maybe you've learned and you've grown and you have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of where we're at, can I tell you, we all can grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is not give you a thought, an ideology, a perspective, a doctrinal background, some analytical truth. I want to give you the words of Jesus and who he says the Holy Spirit is. Because if I'm going to, if I'm going to look to anyone to give us a context about who the Holy Spirit is, who better than Jesus? When you look at John chapter 16, I want to give you a little context here of what's happening. We're going to read in John chapter 16, but John 14, John 15, and John 16 is what's called the farewell discourse. It's, it's essentially a long conversation. Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples, and as we're about to read, what's happening right now is the Last Supper is happening. He's telling the disciples, I'm about to go. I'm going I'm to go, and I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going away. I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm, and they, don't, they really don't know what to do. They, in fact, they don't actually like what he is saying. They're not a big fan. I don't know about you if you've ever gotten news that surprised you out of nowhere. And there's a loss about to happen. You're not really excited. And so Jesus so is giving you context. He's giving you, he's giving the disciples an understanding what is about to happen. And in the same hand, he's doing his best to comfort them because he's doing what any of us would do. When you're about to leave, what do you want to do? You want to ensure those that you love are settled and secure with the greatest comfort that they could have in a moment of loss or pain. That's essentially what Jesus is doing. And we're going to pick up the words of Jesus in this conversation that he's having in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 7. It says, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, wait. It's to, like, we've seen you raise the dead. We've seen you walk on water. We've seen you turn water into wine. We've seen you heal the blind. And you're telling me it's to my advantage, us, it's to our advantage that you go away does not compute. (laughs) What are you saying? I don't get it. And he says this. He says, for if I do not go, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, what did he say there? He said, and he, when he comes. So here, as we're reading right here in verse 8, you recognize Jesus himself is recognizing the Holy Spirit as a person. He doesn't say a symbol, a thought, a mist, a wind. He says he. The person of the Holy Spirit is going to come. And what is he going to do? He's going to convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you 
underline that word, circle that word, highlight that word in your, in your app, whatever it may be. He will guide you, what? Into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. You see, right here, he's speaking and showing, and he's saying, God wants to disclose to you. He wants to reveal to you who the person of the Holy Spirit is. And there's some things that you are going to obtain when you recognize who the Holy Spirit is and how he can work and move in your life. And and what we recognize here is we have to understand, though, that the Holy Spirit didn't just show up. Like all of a sudden he's on the scene. He's been there from the beginning. When you look all the way back in Genesis, he was there at creation. It said the spirit hovered over the darkness. It said, let us make man and woman in our image and in our likeness. When you think about Moses and the words of David, both of them saying, God, we don't want David in Psalms 139. Where can I go that your presence isn't with me? Exodus 33, Moses is saying, if your presence isn't going, I don't want to go. Your presence, we need your spirit. We need the Holy Spirit with us. You look in the book of Joel and it talks about how the spirit of God will be poured out. One of my favorites in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. This scripture actually the Lord gave me almost a year ago at this time. It was August. We had a a gathering called Prepare where we pray and fast. We have evening services and normally we do that in January. But in light of all that was transpiring, we did one in August. And I can remember praying for you, praying for us, praying for the season we're walking into. And the Lord gave me this scripture, Zechariah. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, I love that scripture. I need that scripture. Can I tell you why? Because my makeup, my bend is I'm just going to figure it out. Oh, global pandemic and lead a church through a global pandemic. We're just going to figure it out. We're just going to make it happen. I'm just going to like, I'll ask this person that person, but we're just going to drive. We're going to push through. But you know what? God's word is reminding me, and he was speaking to me when he gave me that scripture. Chris, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, some of us, we live in a day and age where the accumulation of information and knowledge and wealth makes us feel more powerful than we really are. Information doesn't actually translate to wisdom. Information doesn't actually translate to us knowing actually what to do with it. And what can happen is we can lean on our experience. We can lean on the things that we've done. We can lean on our drive. We can lean on the things that we think we know, our work ethic. But what is Zechariah saying? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is there as a gift. He is a person who wants to empower you for everyday life. In fact, in the book of Timothy, it even talks about how the Holy Spirit was there and he helped breathe and form and oversee the writing of this word. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You see, he is a person that you could ignore, you could grieve, you could disregard. 
or you can engage with and have a relationship with. You see, if you dismiss the Holy Spirit, you cut off, you're cut, you cut yourself off from the advantage and the help God wants to give you. That's what Jesus was saying, starting in verse 7 of John 16. If you dismiss the Holy Spirit, you're cutting yourself off from the advantage. There is an advantage God wants to give you. There is help that God wants to give you. I don't know about you, but can anyone in here use a little help? I can. I need a little help. And here's what begins to happen is when we engage with the Holy Spirit and we walk in a relationship with him, he gives us the help we need to be the parents we need to be. He's going to help you with your kids more than any book you read, any podcast you listen to. Any, all of that is great and good. But can I tell you something? We have access to the one that can help us, the advantage when it comes to raising our children, when it comes to having a healthy marriage, when it comes to leading in business, when it comes to starting a new venture, when it comes to relating to your boss, when it comes to having the conversations that you need to have, there is an advantage and a help that we have access to. And it's in the Holy Spirit. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Greek word that Jesus uses here is parakletos. What does that actually mean in Greek, that helper? Here's what that means. It's one who pleads another's case before a judge. It's a, a counselor, an advocate, a comforter. The word literally means to actually come alongside you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside you. He helps you out. And he helps you walk out the things that he has in store for you. So you may be hearing this, you go, well, I, 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 don't really, I haven't rejected the Holy Spirit, and that's good, but, but maybe you haven't invited him in. You see, it's one thing to not reject him, but the question is, are you inviting him in? Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you into my life. Holy Spirit, I need wisdom and perspective. I think there's a couple of reasons why we don't always invite him in. I, the first is this, it's cultural. It's cultural. It, it, it's cultural in the things that we understand. You see, when Paul is writing here, Paul is ministering to two groups of people, Jewish people and Greek people. The Jewish people were, were more mythical. They were, they, were, they, they, they were looking for signs and wonders and, and the expression of what was going on. But the Greek, they were more logical. They were more, it was like an analytical perspective. And so even when Paul is communicating with them in Acts 17, he's having to reason with the Greeks. You see, we live in a society in America that is far more Greek. It's far more, show me the five facts. Show me the YouTube video on how this works. Let me see why and how this is going to apply to my life. And let me know what does this look like. But in reality, this book right here was not written to a Western culture. This book right here, I don't know if you realize, have you read this thing? It's far more Eastern. It's far more African. It's far more the, the Middle Eastern sect in the way in which people read this. That's how they interact with this. And that's why you look and you see and you read and you understand. I mean, think about the things you read in here. DoorDash didn't originate with some guy during COVID-19. They had DoorDash and Uber Eats right in here. They had a raven fly and take cakes to a prophet. Have you read that? Uber Eats before it was Uber Eats. I mean, 
seen living, uh, swallowed by a whale, just camping out, hanging out in the belly of a whale for three days. I mean, what? And then spit up on land. Look, can I tell you? But because of our Western culture, when you read those stories, we fail to realize that actually happened. We read it as though it's mythology. We read it as though it's fictional. We read it as though it's an allegory. It's not. This is true God's inerrant word. And it's not a postmodern or a modern book. It's pre-modern. It's very spiritual. In fact, studies show that this generation today is far more pre-modern than the generations beforehand. That's why they're more inclined to the supernatural, more inclined to all these, you know, just meditations and all of these things because they're looking for a supernatural connection. And can I tell you, if we're not connecting with the Spirit of God, we're not going to reach this generation the way God has called us to reach this generation because they're looking for something deeper. But I want you to understand, it's both ends. This word stands all by itself. Don't hear what I'm not saying. You don't need to get a lobotomy to read this word. You can still engage with it in wisdom. You can engage with it with intellect. I mean, even just looking at the manuscripts, this has more manuscripts that verify its errancy than any other book. The next one closest to it is the Iliad by Omer. You can look and study the errancy of this word, but when you engage with this word at a different level, you begin to understand and recognize that the Spirit is working and moving, but our culture makes it hard. Here's the other thing that can make it hard for us to invite the Spirit of God in, the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Sometimes it's our personality. Like my mama and my daddy, they're different. I don't know about you. You got a mom and a dad. Maybe they're different. Some of you young people in here are like, oh, yeah, my mom and dad, they way different. My mom, a prayer warrior, just praying for me, praying I give my life to I'm running around 17, 18, 19 years old. I'm just a rolling dumpster fire. Mom's just praying. She's just praying. Dad's like, what are you doing with your life? Are you in school? I mean, he cares about, you know, am I going to heaven? But he's like, get an education. Are you paying your bills? When are you moving out? You know, it's just real like line upon line, you know. But mom, she's praying, Spirit of God working and moving, Holy Spirit working in my life. You see, so sometimes our personality can, can hinder us at times in understanding and knowing and engaging with the person of the Holy Spirit but it doesn't matter personality and it doesn't matter culture. Regardless of where we're at, we all need to lean in to growing in our relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we do, things begin to change and something begins to happen. You see, what begins to happen is this, is now when you begin to develop a relationship with Jesus, you are not developing your understanding of who the person of the Holy Spirit is by presupposition, but you're determining it by proximity. Many of us have a perspective on who the Holy Spirit is by presupposition. Things that we've heard, heritage we grew up in. But in reality, what we should be doing is leaning in and developing a personal relationship. And now, because of proximity, I begin to understand and see. And so we look at Jesus' words. And what I want to do is over the next few moments, just help us understand. How does the Holy Spirit actually help us? Because that's what Jesus said in John 16. He said, the Holy Spirit is an advantage to you. He's a helper to you. He wants to come alongside you in the life you're living and the decisions you need to make. 
but how? Well, let's look at the words of Jesus in John 16. And I'm going to pull out three things that we pull out from that scripture that I think Jesus says and shows us and how the Holy Spirit helps us. First is this. He guides us. He guides us. Listen, I think it's great that we pursue wisdom. I just got done preaching. I did a little two-week a series on the book of Proverbs and seeking wisdom. Gain wisdom at all costs. We live in a culture that loves getting wisdom. We have consultants for everything. Can I tell you, you have the most genius, greatest consultant in all the world in the Holy Spirit. And he wants to guide you. When you look at the salvation work of Jesus and what he did, there are three key words that really define the salvation work of Jesus. I want to read for you the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. And you're going to see two of those three words. Paul says this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Three key words that encompass the entirety of the salvation work of Jesus in our life. Justification sanctification, and glorification. Those three words. You're justified. You're justified. When you give your life to Jesus, justification is Jesus saves us. The Holy Spirit guides us into that moment. That's what Paul just said right there in 1 Corinthians. He guides us into that moment. The Holy Spirit draws us to God. The Holy Spirit then convicts us of sin and our need for God. And then the Holy Spirit causes our spirit to come alive through regeneration at the moment of salvation. It's like if you were writing in a word processing program. And your words are all over the place. You highlight everything. And what do you do? You hit left justify. And what happens? Everything gets justified. What happens is when you give your life to Jesus, the mess and the jumble of your life, when you give your life to Jesus, comes into alignment in that moment. Now what happens is when we die and we stand before the Lord because we've accepted Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, that's glorification. We are now in full glory standing before the Lord, but something happens in between there. It's called sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification, it's the work it's his work in us to make him, to make us like him. Here's what the Holy Spirit guides us in. The Holy Spirit reminds us of everything Jesus said. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. And the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us to what? Be a witness. To be a witness. You see, there's a part that each of us play. We're justified because of what Jesus did on the cross. One day we will be in full glory and we'll experience glorification. But until then, there's a part that we play. We partner with God. That's the sanctification process. It's the Holy Spirit that guides us in that. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you when you begin to realize, okay, I need to grow in this area. I need to engage with my spouse a little differently. I need to lead with a different level of integrity in business. I need to be more intentional with my children. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the sanctification process of growing and developing, but you partner with him as he guides you. The second thing that Jesus says happens in how the Holy Spirit helps us is that he comforts us. He comforts us. He is the comforter. Can I tell you, if you are not being comforted by the Holy Spirit, you're finding comfort in something else. You are. 
If you're not being comforted by the Holy Spirit, you are being comforted by something else. And sometimes that something else, it can be addictions and things that, that, that hold you down. It can be bondage and weights and things that ensnare you and trap you, as the Word of God says. But can I tell you something? Sometimes the things that you turn to comfort may not be those things. And what becomes difficult and deceiving is this, is the things that you begin to turn to for comfort seem like things that are good and noble or should be pursued. And you become a workaholic. Or you dive into this fad or that fad when it comes to your health or exercise or being organized or picking up a hobby. Are any of those things bad in and of themselves? No. But when you find that is your comfort rather than the work of the Holy Spirit, you put yourself in a place where you aren't receiving the empowerment that God wants to give you. You go back to the parakletos. He comes what? Alongside you. You see, you're going to experience pain, challenge, difficult moments in life. We all do. And they come in all shapes and sizes. And I don't know about you, but I've rarely had one that was uh, on a predictable schedule. Anybody had a challenge showed up when, where, and how you wanted? Uh, no. They just out of nowhere, out of left field. But it's in that moment, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, let me see how and where you're working. Holy Spirit, I pray for peace that you would comfort me, come alongside me, and help me. We are all going to experience pain and challenges. And it is the person of the Holy Spirit that wants to come alongside you and help you. The question is not whether or not the Holy Spirit will comfort us. The question is, do you know how to receive his comfort? Do you know how to embrace and engage that? You see, the level at which we engage relationally with the Holy Spirit will determine the level at which we experience the comfort He desires to give when we experience those difficult moments. You see, He helps us because He comforts us. He helps us because He guides us. And the last way that Jesus shares with us how the Holy Spirit helps us is this. He empowers us. He empowers us. The last thing Jesus said before he went and ascended to the Father gives us a clue about what's most important. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying there's an empowerment I want to give you. Some would say, well, is this when Pentecost happened? No, Pentecost happens in Acts 8. But before that, when did they receive the Holy Spirit? John 20, it says that Jesus blew. He breathed on the disciples. It was in that moment the Holy Spirit came inside of them. It's the same thing that happens when you give your life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and lives and resides inside of you. But it's an ongoing thing. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians. We've talked about that to be the Holy Spirit poured out upon it. It's an ongoing pouring to overflowing. You see, there's an empowerment that you have access to because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of what he did on the cross and because he ascended to the Father, he said there's an advantage and a helper that I want to give you. And his name is the Holy Spirit. You see, power is the key. That was the difference. What was the difference between the disciples in John 16 that were afraid, sorrowful, overwhelmed because Jesus was leaving and the disciples in Acts? 
Acts that turned the world upside down. Peter preached, thousands were saved, miracles happened, and the church of Jesus Christ was birthed. And we are here today standing in this room or you're sitting in this room because of what the disciples did. What was it? It was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That was the difference maker. It's power. You know, you think about power, I'm reminded of Snowmageddon. You don't remember Snowmageddon? We didn't have any power. Power was out. You're trying to get generators. We gave water away, but we're like, some people are like, yeah, you got any generators? We don't have any generators. But we were. We were trying to find. People had uh, wood-burning fireplaces, and we're trying to deliver firewood. I, had a ga- I have a gas fireplace. So when the power went out, luckily, I just turned my gas uh, fireplace on, and all of a sudden, I've got power, and I've got heat to warm my house. You see, you don't really think about power until you don't have it. You don't think how necessary power is until you don't have it. Put yourself in a situation where life is tough and you need power. You're not thinking about it right up until you need it and you realize, I don't got the power. But you can. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, because that nice old fireplace that you have in your house, if you didn't have any wood, if you didn't have, your gas wasn't working, it didn't matter how nice that fireplace looked. If it wasn't working and there wasn't fire inside that fireplace, there was no power that was being produced. There was nothing keeping you warm. You see, in that fireplace is a lot like our life. It's all nice and looks good, and then it's in place. The question is, does it got any fire in it? Do you have any power? When things are really challenging and difficult, do you have the power that the Holy Spirit intends to give you? We live, I mean, you drive through any of these houses, I guarantee there's a lot of fireplaces and mantles that look really, really nice. But they're only as good as the fire they produce. And this is an area, I think, in our life, in our culture, in our context, They were a little underdeveloped. Maybe because of the heritage you grew up in. Or maybe there was a time where when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, you grew up in a heritage where there was a lot of fire, but there was no fireplace. Fire was all over the place. It was like stuff just going all... And I grew up in a heritage kind of like that. Just to be honest and transparent. But I realized and learned as I've grown in my relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's both and. You need a fireplace, but we need a little more fire. We need a little more power. And the Holy Spirit longs to empower us. He longs to comfort us, and he longs to guide us. If we will grow in our relationship.